Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matthew Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. Miami Dolphins finishing up their first off-season workout. The OTAs, as they call them, they are voluntary. So guys like Rashad Jones was not present. We'll get into that later on in the show. The Miami Dolphins starting their OTA session number one, May 13th. Finishing up May 14th to Tuesday. They will take a day off and come back on May 16th, which is a Thursday. They will then come back on May 20th and 21st next Monday and Tuesday. Have a day off, then come back on the Thursday, the 23rd. Then they'll go May 28th and 29th. They'll wrap it up. May 31st, they'll have mandatory minicamp June 4th through 6th. Then they are off until training camp begins. We got some quick looks at what might be for the Dolphins this coming season. At their OTAs, the one day the media was allowed to enter was on the 14th itself. No media present for the 13th, but we didn't get a whole lot of information based off the 14th because the Miami Dolphins PR department and obviously the coaching staff does not want them giving out trade secrets, giving out information that might be a competitive advantage if other teams found out about it. None of this, uh, who's playing first team, who's playing where, who's doing what. We will have to see how that shakes out come training camp time as they won't be allowed to really report on that until then. Some interesting tidbits still coming out of Brian Flores' press comments, which we'll touch on. Houtson Sutton, I know we're all anxious to see how Josh Rosen did. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Brian Fitzpatrick. We'll talk about Devontae Parker, who made some nice grabs in the OTA session on Tuesday. We'll talk about other guys like Michael Deiter, who's looking to get a starting job, and uh, Kalen Balage looking to surplant Kenyon Drake or at least become 1B to the 1A. Mark Walton battling for a position on the roster. We'll see if he can turn it around and get his career back on track. But Howitz and Son, we'll start here. What was your one or two takeaways before we start diving into this stuff? What were your one or two takeaways from the OTA sessions on Monday and Tuesday? House, we'll start with you. Well, for me, other than, you know, Rashad Jones not showing up, like you mentioned, you got to look at the quarterback competition. As much as I like Josh Rosen, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going out there, he's saying all the right things. I think this might really be a quarterback competition, and you kind of hope that Josh Rosen can go out there and win the job. But I think a lot of people are going to kind of flock towards Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got that 15-year experience in the NFL, so I'm excited to see the way this quarterback room you know, starts to take on a new life of its own. It's it's going to be exciting to watch the way Josh Rosen progresses. Obviously, that's the cop out here, but but that's my guy. And then you got to look at, uh, you know, what they're going to do on the offensive line. It's they they need help at guard. They need to find a tackle. There's different pieces there. We're going to talk about Michael Dieter next week, but he's a guy that the Dolphins desperately need to come in here and and make plays and and show that he can be a starting guard in the NFL. So I'm excited to see the way the, the trenches build out. And most importantly, like I said, Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
How about the TNT wall? That was pretty cool. Matthew. You, you just stole my thunder. You stole my thunder on that one, but go ahead with it. Good. You don't need any more thunder. Um, I, I liked it just because it's it's the first couple of practices. So really from a coaching standpoint, you're looking to uh, create the expectations for your program and what practices are going to look like. Um, so I, I think you can clearly see a, a, a culture of accountability and hopefully those things work because at the end of the day, it depends on buy-in. So we've had catchy slogans in the past. I think Sperano had what feed the wolf and Joe Philbin probably had like Joe Philbin had pick up the trash. Yeah. Everybody do your best or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> as, long as, you, as long as you tried your hardest boys. Yes. Really proud of your effort, guys. Um, so it's going to depend on some buy-in, but you can tell uh, that Flores is is focused on um, he's focused on intangibles and and, and doing uh, doing everything for the team. It seemed like those are the guys that he's at least publicly admitting that um, you know the leaders on the team are the guys that come in and do things not for just themselves, for the team, and they work hard every day. I want to touch on that TNT wall a little bit. It stands for it takes no talent. And the meaning behind it is that it doesn't take talent to line up the right way. It doesn't take talent to know what you're doing on the field. It doesn't take talent to know the snap count. It doesn't take talent to know what your coverage is and what your assignment is. And it's just reinforcing the core that Brian Flores and staff are really going to be preaching with the mental toughness, the mental adversity, the uh, just knowing everything, being a smart on the field, knowing what you're doing and not being out of place. And if someone messes up in practice, they have to take a run to the TNT wall. So, for example, when the defense didn't have all 11 guys on the field today during one of their snaps, the whole defense had to run to the wall. When Josh Rosen in the center fumbled their snap exchanges today, they both had to run to the TNT wall. As they're running to the wall, obviously, it's this huge wall right on the – can't miss it, obviously. Probably about 50 feet high, I want to say. Who knows how wide, 50 feet wide, 70 feet wide. I don't know. It's just very big. Just think of something very, very big and uh, just go off that. Um, <laughs> you got something you want to tell us? Like, No. Let's hear it. <clears throat> this is not fourth and inches. This is Finsider Radio. But it is interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, no. So it's all about the mental aspect of the game. And Bill Belichick, Brian Flores may have gotten this from Bill Belichick a little bit because Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have this infamous hill. It's called the hill. And uh, Bill Belichick referred to it once as Mount Belichick. And when after practice, basically um, during the summer, during training camp, Players have to run run the hill and gets them into shape, in conditioning shape for the football uh, season. And they don't really do it during football season itself, more so as the lead up do there and getting these guys in shape and letting them know that it's all about the mental toughness. You know, it's it's not it doesn't it's not all about physical talent on the field. It's not all about outmanning the other guy. A lot of the game is mental. So I like the TNT wall. Every coach, no matter what sport you're in, no matter what level you're in, from Little League all the way to the pros, always put their own little twist on it, always put their own little cliche on it. 
who knows if this will pay dividends. Obviously, it reinforces the culture of it, makes the guys remember it by seeing it all the time. But after a while, it could just get old, as with everything else. Um, so they'll need to keep switching it up every so often to keep it fresh in the players' minds and, and send the same message in a different way. But I like it. It's nice. He had mentioned, too, that – or I'm sorry, Eric Rowe and his media availability was saying, you know, it's more not a physical thing but a mental thing. So kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, we can't have fumbles, ball security issues or false starts, fumbling the center exchange, stuff that doesn't take much effort to get right. So it's really just kind of stripping everything down, starting with the fundamentals and and just establishing expectations for your program at every layer. And that's exactly what they're doing at this point. And it just goes back to what we're most excited about with this new regime. And it's the fact that, you know, for all these years that New England has been so dominant, they've been doing things one way. And it's been very hard for an NFL franchise to mimic that. And if anyone can, it's these guys that are down here in Miami. So, I mean, I know this is not going to turn into the New England Patriots overnight. I'm not even comparing the two, really. But, I mean, what he's going to bring in here philosophy-wise, you know, just the way they go out there each and every day. I think you already said, you know, we're not practicing in that bubble uh, unless we absolutely have to. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome to hear. I mean, I'm excited to see just the way that the Brian Flores era continues to progress as these teams go out there and, and take the field because you, you hear the beat writers already saying there's just a different vibe around. You know, they're moving faster. They're doing more things. They're, they're more in, in detail and this and that. And it's just a breath of fresh air from what we've been stuck with for so many years. Uh, we may never be able to mimic it completely, but I'm excited to see the way in which it's going to go, and, and we have to hope it works out for the best. Was Joe Philbin a snakes salesman? Oils, what's it called? Oil snakesman? Oil salesman? Yeah, that's what it's called. Joe Philbin wasn't an oil salesman, but uh, Adam Gase was, and I think we're going to realize that as he coaches the Jets. Um, but like your point, Josh, how it's, I can't believe I just called you Josh. That's really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even like respond when people say Josh. I'm like, who the, who the hell is that? I'm like, oh, that's it's a little odd. I just feel dirty saying it. Um, but yeah, no, your point about the culture and the, just the different vibe, and we've said on the show, it just feels different. It seems different. And I just go back to that one show we did back in uh, January, was it? And we just went through the coaching candidates that we thought were in the clubhouse leaders. We went through Brian Flores. Went through Chris Richard. I think we talked about Vic Fangio as well. Um, and all three of us came into this show knowing that there was a good possibility that Flores was going to be the guy, but not wanting to admit that he was going to be the guy because we weren't in love with him just based off interviews that we had seen online. We saw the passion of Chris Richard. We saw the fire in him. And I think we all yearn for that. Anyone yearns for that passion and the fire. And when you see a guy more laid back like Flores in interviews and so forth, it's like, okay, it gives you pause a little bit. Um, just doesn't always instill that, okay, I can command a room. However, as he's been going here and as he's been getting this team on the right track onto his culture track, we have seen a guy who can command a room. We have seen a guy who can take charge and lead this team of men. And the players have echoed it. Coaches have echoed it. Front staff, front office staff have echoed it. People around the league have echoed it. And I think this is going to be set up here to do something very special. And do not overstate chemistry in the front office. I mean, if you're not talking to each other like Gase and Tannenbaum weren't talking to each other and Greer, I think more so Greer and, that, and them two were not talking really to each other. If you're not talking, how are you going to have a productive work environment? Um, it's just awkward. It's uncomfortable. 
and Greer and Flores are in lockfoot moving forward together. And I think it's just going to be really, really good um, for the Dolphins. And then Brian Flores also bringing back an assistant coach, uh, Dave Guillermo, from the New England Patriots. And, and I think that cannot be overstated. He worked with the Dolphins, previously went to the Colts, helped them shape up their offensive line to be one of the best in the NFL. And now he's coming back to Miami in a position that is in need of it most. Houts, I know you have some familiarity with that. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, aside from what he just did in Indianapolis, who had one of the you know worst offensive lines for several years, it was kind of their Achilles heel, and then he just came in there and you know almost overnight turned it around. I mean, I know Quentin Nelson helps with that, but I mean, you got to give him credit. I'm excited. You look at this coaching staff, and you touched on it. You touch on him. You touch on you know Jim Caldwell. They bring in these guys. They have their own coaching staff, and then it's almost like they have a separate coaching staff, you know, to help out with them. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. I mean, that was one of the biggest falls with Adam Gase was that he he hired his buddies, he hired these inexperienced coordinators. This is the complete opposite of that. I mean, yes, Chad O'Shea is a first-time offense coordinator, but he has Jim Caldwell right there in his ear. I mean, what it's going to do uh, for the longevity of the success of the Miami Dolphins is to be determined. But again, it's a breath of fresh air from what we've had in years past. Yeah, I suppose this is probably one of those situations where it's better to have more voices in the room than fewer. And, you know, we already have Pat Flaherty as the offensive line coach. I'm curious how this that working relationship is going to work, if it's going to be kind of a, a tandem deal where they kind of co-work with it or, you know, it's – him reporting directly to Pat Flaherty and all that. So we'll, we'll see how those types of things unfold. But I think having those two gentlemen leading the room would, would be a good start, especially with some of the young guys that we just invested in. And, you know, he was let go by the Colts. And I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his last name the right way. It's D. Guglielmo. Guglielmo. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have the pronunciation. The Googly Elmo. Okay, I was very close I th- to it. I think so. I, I don't know. Either. I, was, I was very close. Uh, but whatever Sutton said. Um, so he turned in these offensive line around. I remember when he was fired by the Colts. Some players spoke out about it. They weren't sure what was going on. But the Colts really fired him because they wanted someone who was more into teaching technique and so forth. Um, the the Googly Elmo, the Googly whatever. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave is more into motivating the unit, right? He's more into giving the rah-rah speech and getting these guys fired up. So he'll be aiding Pat Pat Flaherty. He's not going to be taking over the main role, but he'll be aiding him and probably providing that yin to the yang, you know, that kind of balance that you need there where maybe you have a guy who's calmer, teaching a technique and so forth, but you also need the guy who's going to get in these guys' faces and really fire them up and get them focused on the right track. So I think it's a great hire for the Dolphins. Uh, just another step in the right de- direction for this franchise that sorely needs it. Another step in the right direction, hopefully, is going to be Josh Rosen. And I know it might be the easy thing to talk about the quarterbacks, but for the Dolphins, uh, the QBs, sorry for all you haters out there who think I don't say it the right way. Uh, you you don't. Uh, <laughs> so They're not hating. You just, you just don't say it the right way. Can I tell you a story? We love Papa Beaver story time. Please. All right, gather around the fire, boys, and everyone else that's listening, boys and girls. So uh, the other day, there were some quarters on the floor in the house. And uh, I said to my daughter, Taylor, I said, Taylor, do you want to pick up those quarters and put them in your piggy bank? And she looked at me and she said, what? 
And I said, do you want to pick up those quarters? And she said, what? And I said, okay, maybe she's just not hearing me. She was a little, she was across the room. I've got to speak a little louder. I said, do you want those quarters? And she goes, do I want those what? I quarters. <laughs> and then it clicked. I'm like, oh my God. She really thinks that I'm not saying quarters and that I'm saying something else. And so that's when it hit me that maybe I do say quarterback wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So quarters. Quarters. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. She's like, is that like, are those quarters that. <laughs> talking about, is he talking about water? Like, that like combined with water? Yeah. I wish I knew what was going on in her mind oh, as I was saying was, that. Yeah. Quarters. Qua, quarters. No, you're forgetting the first R. Quarter. Quarters. <laughs> so now you got peanut butter on the roof of your mouth. I'm sorry. Where, I feel. I feel like my dad right now when he was teaching me how to drive a stick shift, and he took me <laughs> on a. Speaking of a hill, he took me up a hill to uh, to practice, and I kept stalling the car out, and I just getting so pissed, and he just sitting there laughing the entire time. So I shouldn't be laughing at you right now, but it's it's funny. Can yeah, you you're making me very censoring? sad. Can you start putting us saying quarterback over top of your voice, like mid sentence? We can just like bleep it out from now on. Okay, yeah, that works too. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, the Dolphins quarterbacks, 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 quarterbacks. Quarterback. The first, the just say, first, Q, say QBs. Just say you're QBs. You're forgetting right the first R, and then you're saying like qua. Can you like say QBs? Quarterbacks. Quarter. Quarter. Whatever. You all just hating Q, on me. Uh, QB. Say QB. I want to hear. It's a that. different vowel sound. QB. QB. Yeah. Say that. Yes. That's perfect. Dave, right. Nailed Dave. it. The Dolphins QB had to even QBs. The Dolphins QB situation. I know, like I said, said it. I know it's easy to talk about. It's an easy topic, but it's really truly important because the Dolphins gave up a second round and a fifth round pick for Josh Rosen, and they really need to figure out if he's the right guy to lead this franchise. Uh, we all want Josh Rosen to succeed. As tempting as Tua Tonga is, as tempting as Justin Herbert is. As tempting as Jordan Love is, as tempting as Jake Fromm is, any of those guys in next year's draft class, if the Dolphins can get Josh Rosen to play at a high level this year, then they've just accelerated the rebuild by one to two years. And I think that's what we all want the Dolphins to have and succeed with. Because then, let's say Josh Rosen gets the team to 6-10, and right? Let's say eight and eight. You're still getting a decent pick, and you can then surround your team around your quarterback, which would be Josh Rosen. You know, whether it's offensive line help, defensive line help, wide receivers, whatever it is that may come into play. If you don't, if he's not the answer, yeah, you lose your second round pick from this year. You lose your fifth round pick as well. Um, next year, I'm sorry, you lose your fifth round pick next year, but it's not really a huge huge loss but obviously it's better to have it than not to have it and have a franchise quarterback than not to have one day one day day one and two though it sounded like fitzpatrick was in the lead which makes a ton of sense considering rosen got here just a few weeks ago and fitzpatrick has been here for quite a while learning the playbook and the system and plus he's just been in the nfl longer so this is second nature to him whereas rosen yeah he was a rookie last but he didn't really have anyone to really learn under so we'll see how this 
battle evolves through camp. I know people were getting on Rosen for the two botched fumbles, the snap, botched snaps, but that's whatever. I'm not concerned about it. Nothing's really going to matter until training camp anyways, until they get into those preseason games. But I know we've talked about it, so just real quick, how's and your quick thoughts on the battle so far? Uh, Quarterback-wise, you know, I <clears throat> we're going to go with the best player, and hopefully Josh Rosen clearly wins this and that it doesn't end up being something that we end up debating through the year or anything like that. Hopefully Josh Rosen wins this competition and it is his team. I'm kind of curious. Um, so he, he uh, made an appearance on the Rich Eisen show, and basically – uh, the story, long long story short, Cliff Kingsbury called him just before and said, "Hey, we're gonna pick Ty, uh, we're gonna pick Kyler, and I don't know what's gonna happen from here." And Josh respected that, and you know, apparently he and Cliff t- even talked the next day. But the general manager hasn't once made any type of contact to him. Would you say the general manager owes him? And, you know, like, uh, oh, hey, you know, thank you for your time here sort of thing. Or is it okay to just, like, go your separate ways? What do you guys think? It's human decency to say something to him. I mean, this was a guy you traded up for in the draft. This was a guy that you thought you were going to build your franchise around. And for Steve Kime to not even say anything to him, I think is absolutely asinine. It's stupid. He's not a man. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think the way Josh Rosen handled himself on that Rich Eisen show was, you know, second to none. Everyone wants to talk about his personality issues. Uh, I see nothing there. I think that's fake news. I think the best part of it was when he talked about how he walked into the wide receiver's room thinking it was the bathroom. Uh, I, think he, <laughs> I think, like, uh, I believe it's Trent Dilfer, they said, reached out to him and said, you know, you're a perfect fit for this offense. I think he is could be a perfect fit for this offense, but I agree with you guys. I think it's going to be a real quarterback competition. And I do think if the team flocks to Ryan Fitzpatrick, which they very well could because he's 36 years old, the guy could light it on fire. But he's probably still going to be, be – he's probably still going to mess up enough that Josh Rosen will be the starter after that week five bye. So, I mean, a lot of fans are saying, okay, well, if he can't beat out Fitzpatrick, maybe he's not the guy. I don't see it that way one bit. He's a guy that's coming in here. You know, he had the short end of a stick last season. The Dolphins, I mean, okay, maybe they have a few better weapons on the outside, but people would argue that. But the offensive line's in shambles, just like it was in Arizona. I mean, you can't set this guy up for failure again, but you do have to evaluate him this season because the 2020 draft has a bunch of great quarterbacks. I'm excited to see his competition play out, but again, like Sutton said, if Josh Rosen is the guy, if he can be, you know, what we had hoped he can be because the Dolphins, again, have, what, two picks in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth round next year. They're looking at about $120 million in free cap space. I know that changed with the Howard deal, but they're going to have a plethora of money. I mean, they can do a lot of things next season. If Josh Rosen's a guy, I mean, the Dolphins are in really, really good shape for the future. Speaking of Xavier Howard, let's make that transition now. Comes the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL, but the salary is very friendly to the Dolphins. It's a win-win for both the team and Xavier Howard. He gets his contract early. Dolphins get the contract done early. Don't have to outbid anyone. Don't have to franchise him. Don't have to go through that long, drawn-out process. Great move for the Dolphins. Great move for Xavier Howard. Yes, there are some concerns about his knee and the injuries that he's had in the past, but... I think he will be just fine moving forward. Uh, admittedly, I called him a bust on this show and on Twitter, and then that one game he had against the Patriots just started clicking for him. And uh, just everything since then has been going in the right direction. So kudos to Xavier Howard. Congratulations on a contract. Well-deserved. Going to be the cornerstone of this defense for the next several years. And uh, couldn't have happened to a more deserving guy. 
Kyler puts his head down and works hard without saying much in the media. So, well done. And five interceptions in his last seven AFC East division games. He plays a premium position in the NFL. And we got him, like you said, he's getting paid. But we we worked it where there's an out after, I think, year three. If things take a turn for the worse, and sometimes these things do. But kudos to the front office to get a young cornerstone that's homegrown. Uh, we don't do that that often yeah. in Miami. So I think to be able to keep one of our own is a great thing. And um, we we did a good contract without Donna Ponte. So. Yeah, and it's just nice yeah. to see, like you said, I mean, time and time again, we've got these young players, they're getting ready to reach a contract. Maybe we all think they should sign them the year before. They, they go into that last season, then they just get outbid. They go on the open market. They just can't re-sign them. I don't think a talent like Xavier Howard has come along that they have not re-signed. So kudos to them. Like you said, in the NFL nowadays, you need a corner that can just go out there and just shut down his side of the field. I think Xavier Howard is that talent. I know a lot of people have concerns about the knee. I mean, that is a legit concern to have. I mean, I understand those people that think maybe – they should have went into next season and let him play it out. But you do that, he balls out again, he leads the NFL in interceptions, and you're paying a hell of a lot more money. So kudos to the Dolphins to foreseeing that this guy is part of their plan. Uh, everyone wants to talk about Stephon Gilmore. I think that is definitely, you know, kind of the type of role that he's going to have. But uh, Xavier Howard's great, but you really need to find something opposite of him because right now you got Eric Rowe with his, with his bum leg, and you got Bobby McCain, and you got – a lot of uncertainty after that. So Xavier Howard's a great piece. I'd love to see him lock up Laramie Tunsil sooner than later. But at the end of the day, I mean, Xavier Howard's only one guy. Minka Fitzpatrick's only one guy. You know, Rashad Jones is getting up there. They need to have other players in that secondary or things can go to shit real quick. You mentioned Rashad Jones. He was not present at OTAs. Brian Flores said whatever he talked about with Rashad Jones would remain private and confidential. Do you see any issue with Rashad Jones not being at OTA sign? I personally don't have any issue with it he's a veteran i think he provided that it's not for nefarious purposes <laughs> i guess yeah. we don't we don't have the background story to know what the motivation is behind it but um you know if he's if he's still wor- doing all, everything that he's supposed to be doing from a conditioning and nutrition standpoint and things like that then i i he's a veteran i think he's kind of earned that yeah, and I think, you know, that contract's pretty unmovable this year, I believe, if you go down through the numbers. At least that's what I believe I've heard. But either way, I mean, it doesn't rub you the wrong way because he is a veteran. But at the same time, would it not be in his best interest to go out there and to get to know this coaching staff? Because how much time could have he really have had with them? You know, so, yeah, you're a veteran. You've been around the league. You don't have to do this because you've put in your time. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a new regime. You're trying to make a good impression on them. I, I, I think – it would have been in his best interest to be there with his new teammates and just get acclimated with the coaching staff. Yeah, I'm just not willing to call it like a personal statement against the new regime or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't completely want it to like blow up like that. I don't think that's what's happening, but I, I would obviously love to have Rashad there. But Completely agree. Yeah. It's tough because we don't know the business side of the NFL. We know it's dirty, but we don't know the true business side of the NFL, you know? Yeah. But – um. Yeah, but a reason why, you know, the, the trade rumors have been around Rashad Jones, around other guys on the team, but none more so than Rashad because of his contract, just because the Dolphins are expected to rebuild, you know, and Rashad probably will be too old by the time the rebuild comes around. So he has been on the block. Uh, but I think a reason for that is because of Minka Fitzpatrick and his ability to shine through and play multiple positions. And Brian Flores saying earlier on Tuesday that Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play everywhere. 
And by everywhere, he means everywhere. And he even mentioned Minka will play linebacker. What are your takeaways on that? If there's any talent on the roster and on that defense, you know, I think I think he's the guy. You saw him. He can play on the boundary. He can play in the nickel. Why not go down there and drop into the box? I mean, you'd rather have a guy like a Rashad or TJ McDonald be that linebacker type. But, I mean, this is a guy that if you you got those athletic tight ends that the NFL loves to see, why not link Minka Fitzpatrick up with him? I think he's an asset. I think he's a weapon. And I think as much as we like Xavier Howard, if Minka Fitzpatrick continues to ascend like we believe he will, I think he is going to be the best player on the defense when all is said and done. Hell, we might as well try Minka edge rusher too. He might be good there. <laughs> Better than Charles Harris. Oh, be- man. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had the opportunity to interview Minka in the locker room after last year's game. It was either against the Jets. I think it was against the Jets. And uh, very, and it was a one-on-one moment because all the other reporters had left his side and nobody else was going to him. And it was a very good conversation that I was having with him and very mature. I think he's, you know, 19 or 20, 21, if, if that. And you don't see that a lot these days. A lot of these guys, a lot of these teenagers and, and young adults are just maturing later in life. And it's nothing against them individually. It's just the way that the trends have now evolved and studies have shown through uh, generational and and Gen Z and Gen X research uh, places that, you know, they're just doing stuff later in life. They're getting married later in life. They're buying houses later in life. They're having children later in life. It's called Mm -hmm. adultolescence. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure, whatever that big word is. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's nothing – I'm not – like I said, it's not anything against anyone that age. It's just the way life is now. So to see a guy like that just kind of take a step back there. But I had asked him about – learning all the different positions and being thrust here with that game. He was thrust into the cornerback role and the safety role and just playing all over the place. And I I asked him about it and he just said, it's so hard to cram all that information in to think that you're going into the game, playing one position. Then you get thrown into three other positions during the game. Uh, He just, and I feel for the guy, but he just shows how smart he is, how bright he is, how talented he is to be able to play all over the field. I mean, you really got to learn a lot, a lot, all the different keys, all the different calls, all the different assignments that you have. And if you screw up, then it opens up a big gap coverage. Um, so kudos to Mika Fitzpatrick. I know last year it's kind of ironic. We had all kind of said, oh, we wish we had gotten Josh Rosen with that pick. Um, and we have both of them. So really, really good stuff there by the Dolphins. And, Luck too. and Minka is 22. 22. He is 22 years old, and like you guys have already said, tremendous football player, can play all over the field. And with a guy like Brian Flores and having a a pseudo chess piece back there, we saw him in a lot of different capacities last year. His ability to play as boundary corner was pretty enticing too. So we're going to, we're going to squeeze every drop out of Minka Fitzpatrick one way or another. And just like you said, Matthew, a, a, testament to him and his mental acumen to be able to understand how different you know to be able to play both safety positions to be able to play slot corner to be able to play boundary corner to be able to do all those things shows so much from being a uh, being a student of the game standpoint that we're very lucky to have make up Fitzpatrick yeah, and he did all of it in his rookie season. So, I mean, it's it's going to be fun to watch the way he progresses. I'm excited to see the way Brian Flores can use these pieces. I mean, he's got one up front now in Christian Wilkins. I mean, they, he's getting these pieces defensive-minded. I mean, I think the Dolphins have a really young nucleus. We just need to get edge rush help. But I'm, I'm excited to see the way this 
secondary, especially Minka Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard progress throughout the rest of his career. The Miami Dolphins will return to OTAs on May 16th. They'll have Wednesday off, return on Thursday, then come back on Monday and Tuesday, and again, taking off Wednesday, coming back on Thursday, having a long more day weekend before coming back on the 28th and 29th, and then ending on the 31st of May. And mandatory uh, mini camp on June 4th, and then it's time to take off until training camp. We'll see how the rest of the team starts developing. We'll see what the quarterback, what the QB situation looks like after this week, after next week, and again as we head into training camp. We're just anxious to see these guys develop. Guys like Mark Wallen, who's getting a second and third chance. Preston Williams getting another chance uh, to continue his NFL, not NFL, but football career. He is an undrafted free agent rookie. It's going to be interesting to see these battles play out, especially with a new coach, new regime, and a clean slate for everybody. Any last thoughts? Out and sign. Everybody's going to be feeling good and looking good and all that kind of stuff. So just take everything with a grain of salt. But just understand that these guys are just, you know, they've been playing a team sport all their life. So being able to come back and see the guys is always a, a pretty awesome feeling. So there is a reason that they'd be feeling good. It's good to be back to work and and playing the game that they love. Yeah, and as we as fans, I mean, we're just excited to see them go out there and take the field and, you know, to see them getting into the rhythm because we got to remember this is very early in the process. And like you said, I mean, you saw it a little bit today. Josh Rosen throws an interception. People are going freaking nuts. I mean, settle, <laughs> settle down. It's it's a long off season. Let's let these players get into a rhythm, see how they develop under this new coaching staff, and hopefully good things will come. We will see how this all shakes out in the next few weeks and months as we head into the 2019 season. We will see – how the quarterback situation plays out <laughs> over the next several now weeks you're just over-pronouncing your bad habits. You're and a, I don't really you're care a, what anyone thinks you're anymore. You're hopeless, hopeless. I am a rebel. I'm just, I don't care. <laughs> just you embrace just it. Yeah, might as well just embrace it. Yeah, I'm done. And uh, just see how all these position battles play out. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun to see Brian Flores hopefully develop into a great coach and just lead this team for many years to come. For Joshua Houtson, Aaron Sutton, I am Matthew Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. The greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins